Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans, and welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to find your podcasts. We are a proud member of the Buffalo Rumblings podcast channel, which you can find by searching for Buffalo Rumblings on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and everywhere else you go to get your podcasts. We will be bringing you a second podcast later on this week, previewing the Buffalo Bills home opener versus the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday afternoon. But right now, we are pleased to have myself, John Boccasino, along with Jamie D'Amico here on the podcast as we are talking about the undefeated Kings of New York, those Buffalo Bills completing the 2-0 swing through the state of New Jersey with a big road in yesterday, 28-14 to over the New York Giants. Uh, Jamie D'Amico, of course, is our co-host here on the podcast. And Jamie, I'm going to start you with a little bit of trivia for you. Oh, boy. In the history of the proud Buffalo Bills franchise, how many times has this team started off the year by winning two straight road games? I believe it's only happened one time. Ding, ding, you would be correct. It is the 2019 version of the Buffalo Bills setting history for this team by winning their first two games on the road. It was an awesome feeling for Buffalo to... uh, you know, to be to be leaving MetLife Stadium with a second straight win over uh, a team uh, that plays in MetLife Stadium. The Giants and Jets obviously were the two victims. Now, you know, you can we can go all over Jamie with this recap, but I want to hit you with question at the very beginning. A win is a win is a win, and the Bills have won all their games so far this season. What is your confidence level about this team after the first two weeks? My confidence level is exactly where it was at the beginning of the year or before they played any games at all, which is I think they're going to be a middle of the pack team. And these two games that they won are fantastic. And you saw a couple of great steps forward in particular with with our buddy, Mr. Allen at quarterback. Um, But, you know, we we can't lose sight of the fact that these are two teams that are not very good. Uh, the Giants were absolutely destroyed in uh, in week one against Dallas and beat convincingly by the Bills. Uh, the Jets, nobody really knows what to make of them. They've got some new personnel and they made some noise in the offseason as they seem to do regularly. But that hasn't translated into on the field performance. Um, this is kind of what I expected out of the team. Now, there are some excellent developments, and we're certainly going to be getting into those later on. How do you feel about the team at this point? Well, Jamie, I definitely feel good about the uh, Buffalo Bills. You know, I feel like they've done everything you've wanted them to do. They've taken care of two teams that they were better than on paper. The Jets, I, I say the Jets were coming in with higher expectations than the Giants were, and that win, you know, you can say all you want about Buffalo getting down. Bills rallied and, again, snatched that victory from the jaws of defeat, which is a thing that teams of the past would not have done. And then on Sunday against a Giants opponent, after the first drive, when Saquon Barkley rushed for 65 yards and was gouging the Bills' defense, I was a little bit nervous. I was a little bit nervous that the Giants had a good game plan on offense and Buffalo was going to maybe have a, a bit of a challenge on its hand with the running game. We both knew that The Giants wide receivers minus Sterling Shepard were not scaring anybody. You know, Evan Engram is a nice threat, but I thought that the Bills, you know, 
could have definitely had the upper hand when it came to containing Eli Manning. If the game got into a shootout, I felt really good about the defense's chances of confusing and confounding Eli Manning. Well, that first drive was anything but a true indicator for how the game was going to go. <clears throat> the defense clamped down and really, you know, did not let Saquon Barkley do much of anything. I believe he had 40 yards total after that opening drive sequence, which was very impressive. And the Bills came out and put together three straight scoring drives that were incredibly impressive in their efficiency. You had a 10-play, 75-yard drive that was capped by Josh Allen's fantastic uh, quarterback option run off the right side to get in and tie the game up late in the first quarter. Then there was an 11-play, 70-yard drive that rookie Ben Singletary capped with a nifty 14-yard run where he showed his explosiveness, his elusiveness, and the reason why Bills fans are so excited. That put the Bills up 14-7 early in the second quarter. And then halfway through the second quarter, this drive to me, Jamie, was the game changer. The Bills took over at their own two-yard line. I honestly thought the ball had been downed in the end zone on the punt from the Giants, and I thought replay showed that the Giants had his foot in the end zone. But regardless, Bills get the ball at their two-yard line. All they need to do is go seven plays, 98 yards, capped by a 14-yard little shovel touchdown pass from Josh Allen to Isaiah McKenzie, and the Bills are off and running 21-7. to So I felt really good at that point, and then we kind of held on for dear life in the second half. But a win is a win. This is a game that maybe Bills teams in the past would have found a way to lose. Uh, but, but fortunately for Bills Mafia, you know, Josh Allen and Brian Dable came up with a huge scoring drive late in the fourth quarter when the Giants had momentum on their side to really put this one away. There is some really great chemistry that's going on between Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator, and Josh Allen. It It's really set up so that the game plans are not only attacking the defense where it hurts, but also Josh Allen is really kind of turning into the quarterback that Brian Dable needs. There's a number of timing patterns that are happening, and we're seeing Josh Allen hit his receivers right on the money. That was not something we saw last year. We're seeing him throw the ball away when nothing is there. That is something that, I mean, Bills fans have been absolutely praying for since he came into the league. And you're seeing a real maturation in Josh Allen. And the other thing from Brian Dable that has really stood out to me is I haven't been questioning any of the play calling which is very unusual for me. I feel like through the years with the Bills, all I've done is question the play calling, especially on offense. I feel like they've put together some incredibly sound offensive plans and they're they're running the right plays in the right situations. Um, I, I think Dable has come a long way as an offensive coordinator from his, his first attempt at that in the NFL. We're seeing two men growing up, and I am looking for them to stay together for a while because, frankly, Dable's, even Sean McDermott's and Brandon Bean's future reputations entirely ride on how Josh Allen develops. And it looks like they're developing him the right way. For the second straight week, Jamie, Josh Allen had a uh, an amazing completion percentage directing the offense. The first half, he was a surgeon with precision executing and directing this offense. He completed 75% of his passes, 15 of 20 for 210 yards. 
And for Bills fans, you know, the, the fact of Josh Allen's play that has to be the most impressive is, again, the fact that he wasn't forcing the ball into tight windows when nothing was there. He wasn't trying to throw that off his back foot throw to the corner of the end zone or the corner of the field where by the time that the ball gets there, the receiver is no longer open. He was controlled. He was reading through his progressions. The chemistry with John Brown and Cole Beasley is instantaneous. And for me, really, the key in this entire game, Jamie, what came in the fourth quarter, the Bills offense had been inept, uh, to say the least, the first three drives of the second half. I believe they mustered only 17 total yards of offense uh, on these drives out here that did not go anywhere. The Giants respond with a 12-play, 76-yard drive to pull within one touchdown, 21-14. to And at this point, momentum is totally on the Giants and totally against the Bills. Josh Allen comes out and from the get-go of this drive shows that he is a quarterback that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott desperately wanted with that number seven overall pick last year in the draft. He hits John Brown on a crossing route for a 12-yard gain on first down. Devin Singletary breaks a couple of ankles on a 16-yard run. The play does get held back on on a penalty. So Josh Allen, of course, what does he do? He runs for nine yards on a scramble. Frank Gore converts a a second down run. And then to me, the play of the game facing a third and six with the Bills not wanting to give the ball back to the Giants, who again have all the momentum. Josh Allen does an unbelievable job. He runs to the right sideline and then he somehow sees John Brown out of the corner of his eye. He does not throw the ball off his back foot or across his body. He steps in. He finds John Brown for a 17-yard completion that has the Bills knocking on the edge of the red zone. And a couple of plays later, the Bills get the... uh, get an awesome break uh, rather on a field goal attempt. There was a penalty on the Giants for unnecessary roughness. And then the Bills punch it in on a Frank Gore one-yard touchdown run. Buffalo hangs on for the victory, 28-14. to I know I threw a lot at you, Jamie, but that play in particular with Josh Allen to John, that was such a crucial development for Josh Allen and his maturation because I don't think we see him with that poised throw last year, maybe not even last week, the way he was firing the ball kind of carelessly around the field. That was probably one of the best throws of his career at this point, partially because of the situation. If you think about, if, if, if you go into your mind and think about the feeling that you had over the first few minutes of the third quarter, that sense of impending doom. The, oh God, here we go again. The Giants just marched down the field, made it look easy. Not as easy as in the first drive, but they marched down the field. They punch it into an end, into the end zone. It's a one touchdown game at that point. Oh God, here we go again, right? Bills fans everywhere are, are, are fretting and chewing their fingernails down to little nubs at that point. That situation was the perfect time for good Josh Allen to show up. And it was impressive. The best part about it is that when he hit John Brown, it was a perfect throw where John Brown could keep going with his momentum. Because what we don't want to see is the receivers making these spectacular plays to catch what should be easy throws. And of course, there were some of those yesterday, but that wasn't the story of the day. Yeah, Jamie, Bills fans were thrilled to see good Josh Allen show up again uh, in week two, guiding Buffalo to its second straight win in the state of New Jersey, 28 to 14 over the New York Giants. Another key for this game was 
The numbers don't pop at you as being overly impressive on the yards per carry, but give it up to Frank Gore for being a pros pro, a true veteran out there. He had 68 yards on 19 hard-fought carries. He really seemed to fight and know where the first down marker was several times, reaching and extending to get a big first down uh, for the Bills when they needed it the most. Um, He had a a touchdown, again, that big pivotal one in the fourth quarter to give Buffalo back a two-score lead. uh, it It was actually his first rushing touchdown since the 2017 season. And we're seeing, Jamie, that Devin Singletary and Frank Gore are being great compliments to each other. Now, we're not quite sure the status of Devin Singletary with the hamstring injury in the fourth quarter, but so far through two weeks, Devin Singletary is averaging an absurd 12.7 yards per carry with 10 totes for 127 yards. And Frank Gore is proving to be the solid, reliable veteran that the Bills thought they were getting when they signed him to a two-year deal this past March. If those two keep producing the way that they're producing and the offensive line is opening up huge holes, which a lot of credit goes to Mitch Morse. He had so many plays in the week two win where he was four five, six yards downfield, carrying on his block, pushing and making more space for the Bills ball carriers to go through. I was really impressed with every facet of the Bills run game on offense. The mobility of Mitch Morse is noticeable in every game so far, and it's really a thing of beauty to watch, especially when he's pulling around the left-hand side of the line, to watch the way Devin Singletary sets up Morse to block for him. He gets out to the outside shoulder, really outside hip of his blocker, and just kind of rides his hip pocket. That is exactly the kind of thing that we used to see Thurman Thomas do, who would sort of slide side to side in order to set his blocker between himself and the defender who's coming in to try to make the play. That has really probably been my favorite thing to watch all season to this point. Now, Singletary, that hamstring injury. Now, those can be a problem. I did some research And it's looking like with most hamstring injuries, they're out anywhere from three to six weeks. Now, of course, this is just speculation because Buffalo hasn't even really acknowledged that he has an injury. I'm hoping that it's not severe enough to keep him sidelined for any amount of time. They certainly need him on the field in less than three to six weeks. Yeah, I, I would agree, Jamie. He, the the explosiveness that he has shown so far through two weeks gives a whole new dimension to this offense. And if he were to miss any time, it would be a big a big blow. But I would much rather be cautious and conservative with Singletary. I know that um, the term day to day has been tossed around so far. McDermott, the head coach, said the team is still gathering information on the severity of of, uh, of Singletary's injury. I would almost rather, at least for week three with the Cincinnati Bengals coming to town, ride with Frank Gore and TJ Yeldon as our running backs and see where things go from there. The last thing you want to do with an explosive playmaker like Singletary is put him out there when he's not fully 100%, and then he really further damages the hamstring and puts his rookie season in jeopardy. Let's hope that there's some more clarity provided, and hopefully Singletary can get back out there and be a key contributor for this offense that, again, I was impressed, Jamie, with the fact that the Bills were able to carry on such sustained drives on offense, especially in the first half. Again, all three of their scoring drives covered 70 yards or more, including the epic 98-yard touchdown drive 
that really Buffalo needed to uh, to take horrible field position and swing momentum for good uh, in this game against the Giants to go to 2-0 on the year. The receivers, we could go on and on about John Brown and Cole Beasley, but they have proven to be worth their weight in gold so far for this offense. John Brown and Josh Allen have established this incredible chemistry uh, between them and Cole Beasley, too. It's really impressive to watch the way these two have all uh, really seemed to, to gel, including in the red zone where Buffalo really did a strong presence against the Giants. I believe they were four for four in the red zone. All four of their touchdowns came from inside the 20. That's an awesome advantage for Buffalo to have. And the defense, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about this defense because, Jamie, this defense, again, I was nervous after the first drive when Saquon Barkley was running wild and roughshod over the Bills' defense. So with the Giants' receivers depleted, the last thing you wanted is for the Giants to get off to a good run game. That's exactly what happened, a five-play, 75-yard touchdown drive. But from there, the Bills really clamped down, and I believe he only had 40 or 45 total yards after that opening drive out there. So give a lot of credit to the run stuffers, especially a guy we have not talked about that much. I want to give a lot of love to Harrison Phillips because he's somebody who has seen a flashier rookie come in in Ed Oliver, and he has had the veteran star Latuale in front of him taking some snaps away. Harrison Phillips to me had an outstanding game uh, against the Giants. He was pushing the pocket around. He had his first uh, sack in the league. He batted down two passes. Lorenzo Alexander batted down a couple of passes. But for me, watching the way that the defensive front four played against the Giants gave me a lot of hope moving forward. Well, you know, after that first drive and man, the Giants and Saquon Barkley made it look so easy to march 75 yards for a touchdown. The talk at the bar where I was watching the game was, oh man, how far into the game are we going to be before before the Giants have to throw the ball at all. And then they came out throwing in on their second drive, which I got to tell you, Pat Shermer, the head coach, could probably be fired after that game for negligence. Why, after they ran the ball so well on the first drive, would they stop running the ball? It, it really didn't make any sense to me. But at the same time, as the game continued... You could tell that Buffalo was still very focused on Saquon Bar- Barkley. There was a lot of time left in the game, you know, after even after Buffalo had gotten up to 21 points on the board, you still had a whole nother half to go. Running the ball could make a big difference in putting the Giants back on the board and putting a dent in the Bills' lead. They didn't do that. I'm glad to see that because Buffalo was playing the run much stronger. Now, I think as a result of that, you were seeing uh, the receivers of the Giants who are not renowned as being very good this year, especially with the injuries they've got. They were making a lot of plays and they were getting open. They were winning a lot of one-on-one battles against the Buffalo cornerbacks. So let me throw some names at you. Last names, Fowler, Jones, Core, Shepard, Ellison. Do you know what any of their first names are? I didn't before this game. Yeah, they're, they're, they're a bunch of no-name receivers. You know, I know that uh, TJ Jones is one guy that I do know because they pointed him out for having a pretty decent performance against the Bills. And Trey White did not have his best game, um, I thought, against, uh, against the Giants and their suspect wide receivers, especially knowing that, um, you know, Sterling Shepard was not 
going to be making a big impact out here. So I really feel like Trey White needed to really step up, especially against a suspect wide receiving core. Um, he really, you know, Eli Manning seemed to have his way against Trey White for a lot of the game. Um, you know, didn't have as much of a pass breakup presence as you would think. And for a team like the Buffalo Bills that had five passes batted down in the win over the Giants, Trey White did not have much of an impact uh, in the cornerback role. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. But I want to say, uh, Jamie, I am incredibly impressed with the, the role of both Dean Marlowe and Saran Neal. Saran Neal was an animal. I mean, he was everywhere you wanted him to be on special teams. And he had a really good performance, I felt like, uh, in coverage game as well. And Dean Marlowe is somebody that we've totally written off because who is he? He's not someone who's going to really play a strong role, you would think, for this team. But he stepped up big time when he was needed to. And it was great to watch some unknown players not unknown, less heralded players, if you will, in the secondary compared to Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde really stepping up and having their presence felt again in this big win. To me, Saran Neal was the player of the game, whether it be his um, excellent plays on special teams or even making a couple of plays on defense. I was down on him after the Jets game, but man, he showed up to play. And I'll tell you what, stopping that punt return after Corey Bajorquez unleashed that 63-yarder, that could have been a game-changer right there, and he stopped it from happening. That was great. And while we're giving out accolades, the catch of the game absolutely has to be that interception by Jordan Poyer in which he was running with his back to the line of scrimmage, laid out, catches the ball in his fingertips, pulls it in, keeps it under control. That was a thing of beauty. We may not see a better catch by a Buffalo Bill this year than that one. That was the game ceiling interception for uh, for the Bills out there that put the nail on the coffin for Buffalo going to 
two and zero on the road. I also would have accepted Trent Murphy for having honorable mention his interception after Ed Oliver got his big mitts up and knocked down a pass that led to an interception by Trent Murphy it was also a huge, huge play for this team. Uh, the bills, believe it or not, have 10 passes batted down so far through the first two weeks of the season, which to me, Maybe it's the quarterbacks being not as accurate on the other side of the equation, but Buffalo's front four, again, they're transformed, they're invigor- they're, they're re-energized, and they're just batting down passes with, with reckless abandon that's really helping the Bills control things at the line of scrimmage. Now, we'll see what happens moving forward. The Bills' defense, again, give them a lot of credit. I believe on third downs, um, the Giants were only 3 of 12, a 25% uh, percentage of completions on third down um, and the bills will have a chance to continue that momentum on Sunday with the Bengals coming into town. But besides what we talked about for the opening sequence on defense, when Saquon Barkley was the all pro running back, we expected him to be. And besides the fact that the bills let the giants hang around a little bit too long in this one, is there anything else that really concerns you heading into week three? I think my concern when it comes to the defense is probably um, it's probably Trey White right now. I don't know what's going on with him because he's a really solid player, but it seems like he was being targeted. So what are teams seeing about Trey White? What is out there on film that gives them confidence that they can throw at him? Whatever is going on there, I I hope that he tightens it up because we've seen it in the past. The guy has all the talent in the world to be one of the top corners in uh, in the league. Yeah, Trey White needs to be the man that the Bills expect him to be when it comes to their pass defense because Kevin Johnson played well in spurts and against Saran Neal and Dean Marlowe and Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. The Bills have names in that secondary that can step up, but if they're without their ace with if Trey White, you know, isn't what we expected him to be coming into the year. That's a whole different defense and a secondary for Buffalo where, you know, better teams like Tom Brady, who is lighting the world on fire so far, they have a plus 73 point differential through two games. Now, granted, they've they've played inferior competition, but they still have a plus 73 margin. That's unbelievable through two weeks. But I'll tell you, Jamie, what really concerns me a little bit, and this harkens back to I want to see the Bills bounce back ability. It's the penalties to me. The penalties are still troublesome. And you combine that with the fact that the Bills were stagnant on offense in the third quarter. I believe they only had 12 total yards of offense in the third quarter. And I believe Buffalo committed nine penalties uh, so far uh, in, in the week two win. Those have to get cut down because, again, good teams are going to find a way to capitalize and take advantage. Bills got very lucky on that roughing the kicker penalty that allowed uh, instead of Steven Hauschka's field goal attempt that led to Buffalo's final uh, touchdown out there. If that play doesn't happen, the game swings dramatically. Penalties are a big part of it. And and Buffalo really needs to get back to being more disciplined because when you face the better teams in the league, they're going to make you pay for your mistakes. You are a hundred percent correct about the penalties. Now, that being said, the Bills got a win, and again, they're 2-0, and we should be very happy with the fact that so far the Bills are looking like a team that can make some noise in the AFC, especially with some of the, you never want to see injuries, but man, the the injury landscape, the Chargers are snake-bitten. They lost a couple more important starters um, in their game on Sunday. Ben Roethlisberger goes down for the season with an elbow injury. That's going to be huge, and all of a sudden, the AFC Giants are taking kind of a kind of a step back. And Buffalo, of course, sitting up there as one of the undefeated teams in the AFC. 
It's way too early to tell, but at least Buffalo has survived these first two games of the year with two wins, and we're not talking about them letting opportunities slip between their fingers. If we can go into that New England game at 3-0, and I think that we're uh, we're going to be in contention late into the season. It's it's going to be raucous, Jamie, if the Bills can be three and zero heading into that Patriots game. I am so excited for the home opener coming up on Sunday. The Cincinnati Bengals, who I thought had a really good debut under Coach Zach Taylor, then laid a goose egg against the Niners and Jimmy Garoppolo uh, in a blowout loss in Week Two. I'm sure the Bengals will you know be somewhere in the middle as far as how their level of play goes. But if a crowd and a fan base can feed a team onto victory, that crowd on Sunday honoring Pancho Bia's memory, having a home opener with two wins under the Bills belt, this place is going to be rocking and electric on Sunday. And if the Bills can get that third win, oh boy, can't wait for that week four game with the Patriots. We cannot get too far ahead of ourselves here. But one thing's for certain, Jamie, we can talk about all of the topics, good, bad, and ugly here on Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. I want to thank my colleague, Jamie D'Amico, for coming on here today as we broke down the week two win for the Buffalo Bills. We'll be back later on this week previewing that game against the Bengals. If you haven't done so already, what are you waiting for? Please subscribe to our podcast. It's the best way to get all of the Buffalo rumblings news on our podcast channel. Of course, there's Believe, there's Blitz Bills, Buffalo Rumblings Q&A, Breaking Buffalo Rumblings, Circling the Wagons, and the Nick and Nolan Show, a part of this dynamic podcast channel, this powerhouse of podcasts, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and everywhere else you go to find your podcast. For my colleague, Jamie D'Amico, I'm John Boccasino, signing off for Bill Eve, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. 